Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome. CC. Hello and welcome. One, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 27. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, The Documentary Life Podcast, and The Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Super excited to have you with me for today's podcast, maybe even just ever so slightly more than other times, if that's possible, of course, because we're going to be doing something a little bit different for this one. If you've been listening to TDL for a while now, you might remember a conversation back in late September of 2016 that I had with fellow documentary filmmaker and founder curator of the well-known online documentary filmmaking resource, Desktop Documentaries. Her name is Faith Fuller. And for anyone newer to the show, or if you didn't get a chance to listen to it the first time around, I'd highly recommend going back into the TDL archives. Simply go to thedocumentarylife.com, the website, and, and listen to episode number 11. That particular episode was wildly popular. I received what was up to that point the most letters and amount of feedback that I'd ever received. And the downloads for my show with Faith nearly doubled my listenership back then. It makes sense. Whether with my podcast or her website, we both strive to inspire, you know, educate, motivate, and really network a community of like-minded people, all who want the same thing that we do, which is to live out our passions of documentary filmmaking. Now, due to the popularity of the show, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that also in part because I, I personally enjoyed the conversation very much, I'm bringing Faith back on the program, only this time in a slightly different capacity. This time out, Faith is going to be the host for the documentary Life. She's going to be interviewing me, the man formerly known as the host of TDL, at least for today's show. In full disclosure, I, I, I did request that we talk about a couple of specific things because I too wanted to make sure that, you know, that we didn't repeat too many things that if you have been listening to the show for a while, you'd already know. But other than a few items, I've given Faith carte blanche to basically have at it. I do really think that you're going to enjoy this. Like I said, it's a bit different, sure, but you know, it's good to mix things up every once in a while, right? Keeps us all on our toes, including apparently yours truly. So here, my friends, here's how it all went down. I'm Faith Fuller, and welcome to the Documentary Life Podcast. It is my privilege and honor to introduce Chris Parkhurst, documentary filmmaker, father, husband, and founder of the Documentary Life <laughs> Podcast. So thank you. This is super cool, and I have to make a confession. Please. <laughs> I, I much prefer asking the questions rather than being on the other oh, end. So I am <laughs> so excited to interview you today. And, and I am uh, scared thank, to thank death. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Of course, we're, of course we're more comfortable being on this side of the microphone, right? Yeah. And us as interviewers, as documentary filmmakers, you know, you kind of you forget sometimes the other person and how kind of, you know, they're, they're really vulnerable and, yeah, and, and you're yeah. really ask you're asking them a lot to, to be interviewed and to, you know, be vulnerable for you and, and, and do that on camera or in this case, a podcast. So wow, wow. I mean, we're already we're learning lessons here. That that is like you you couldn't have said it better, Faith. That that that's it's so true, right? Like we yeah. need this kind of reminder as as journalists and as documentary filmmakers that 
Yeah, you're right. It is super sensitive. The people that were that were that were that were asking questions to and and uh, boy, I guess now um, I'm up against it. So so here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so just relax and enjoy. And and I and I want to just say something to your audience, mm. um, I, if I may. Um, no, this even is though, your audience today. <laughs> even well, even it, I just want to speak to to the person listening. Hmm. Even though I'm interviewing Chris, this is really about you and your journey, and you as a documentary filmmaker, and listening to Chris and hearing his experiences and his insights and learning from him and what he's learned all these years. So. That's my goal for this interview is to interview Chris um, while also keeping in mind that this is for you. This is why Chris and I do what we do. We, mm. It's really it's about helping other documentary filmmakers through their journey. And if we can help by sharing our stories and our experiences, then that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do. So, Amen. With with that in mind, let's get going. And I'll try not to be too hard on you, Chris. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started. Yep. I know that you are deep into your second season of your podcast. Mm. I just want to check in. How are things going so far? I, it's going great. It, 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 it's, it's, it's better than I – well, I don't want to say it's better than I imagined because I've always tried to imagine this being a show that – uh, a show where I could talk about, you know, my passion and share that passion with other people around the world who you and I know all, all have these passions or, or a similar passion. And I, I, I just have a lot of gratitude for what's happened with the show, which, you know, started back in, I don't know, May, June of, of 2016. And, um, the, the feedback that I've gotten over this, you know, year plus, uh, the enjoyment that I've that I've had by by doing the show, the people that I've met virtually, the people that I've met you know face to face, um, it's really it's been pretty overwhelming. Um, and I try to I try to as much as I can, Faith, sort of keep it um, keep it in front of me and and have gratitude for it, and uh, and and know that there's um, even bigger and better things to come. But what has already happened so far has just been. A tremendous thing in my life, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm really thankful for it. And and I really I do believe that um, a lot of people are gaining by the existence of a show like the Documentary Life, um, including including of course myself, um, but but a lot well, of other people as well. Let's let's go back a little bit. Mm. And why did you start the podcast? What was your intention? What was your thinking behind that? Well, it's funny because when I first started, well, the idea of the podcast was really originally a blog, but I just wasn't consistent with it. And then I think it's, I don't know, about a, a half year down the road, I realized that, uh, or, or, or the idea of a podcast came up. And for whatever reason, that really, really excited me. And it's the kind of excitement that that moves you to suddenly like you have a breakthrough. And 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 at the point at that time, I I'd wanted to blog, but I wasn't blogging fairly regularly, even though I I love to write. Um, uh, for whatever reason, the podcast was what moved me into okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it consistently. And 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 I'm sure it has a lot to do with you know I had a radio background, and I always enjoyed that. And I think you know for years I fantasized about this idea of, of pirate radio. I loved the idea of um, just being able to share ideas and opinions and thoughts and on the air. And I think those kind of it's almost like my old radio world collided with my film world and and hence the podcast was born and it really felt like the natural thing to do and I haven't stopped since and and there you know that's how it started awesome yeah and you've had a lot of great guests on so far and I'm sure you're learning a ton I think that's that's a that's been a big thing always with this show is that while I'm while I'm certainly sharing my knowledge knowledge and experiences and, and teaching 
the world of documentary filmmaking, as well as sort of how to live a life as a documentary filmmaker, as much as I'm sharing and, and, and there's a teaching component to that, I feel like I'm soaking up so much knowledge myself. And so I'm getting an education this entire time. And really, the beauty of that is I, I feel like that's kind of fostering what I've wanted all along. And I feel like what you're doing with Desktop Documentaries, which is bringing this community of like-minded individuals, in our case, documentary filmmakers, together to learn all from each other. And so thereby creating this this community of people who want to share with one another what they know so we can mm-hmm. all be better craft people for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually what's so interesting about what we're doing and one of the things that I do on desktop documentaries is I have courses right. for people to learn about various things in documentary filmmaking. And you know what? The the act of me creating the course, mm. I learned so much. And I just thought I should have a course where the assignment is for somebody to teach that same course. Oh, <laughs> because, <wow. laughs> because, you know, when you have to figure it out to explain it to somebody else, yeah. you learn so much. And it's like the best way to learn is to teach someone else. And so I just, I've been thinking about that. Like, how can I kind of craft these courses to kind of turn it around and, and, and have people become teachers, you know, to kind of teach somebody else. And in the process, they learn so much, Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting. And and that's why I know you, it's, it's such a rich experience for you to do this podcast um, because you're, you're you know, we're so busy, but you have to take the time to research these filmmakers, to learn about them, come up with good questions and mm. to really listen, you know, and it's, it's like in our busy lives, how often do we take the time to listen? Oh man. Right. <laughs> and when you really listen and uh, you know, you, you learn a lot. So, um, you're not only doing a wonderful service to the documentary filmmaking community, but it's also, I'm sure very, a very rich experience for you. So yeah, I'm you gonna, nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, so I'm going to move on to Mm. something that I know I have a passion for and many documentary filmmakers have a passion for and you have a passion for, and that is world travel. Ah, yes. (laughs) And you have done a lot of it, and I just want to hear from you. Mm. Um, You've been to many countries around the world, including Cambodia, Nepal, China, Haiti. Tell me how you ended up doing so much travel and what was the purpose of those trips? Was that all filmmaking or what? Well, it's, um, that is a, that is a good question. And, and maybe listeners of the show probably in some way feel like they have an idea of what my answer might be. But the truth of the matter is, even as you're asking that now, I feel like I've actually not truly answered that, which is to say that, you know, Back when I was when I had finished college, one of the first jobs I had was, and this is going to date me because this is back in in ninety five. I went and spent a year teaching English um, overseas in South Korea. Now, if anybody has spent any time in Buffalo, New York, or Rochester, New York, they will quickly realize that. Um, it is a massive difference, and, and and if they've spent any time in Asia, what a what a world of difference that is. And so, for a twenty two year old to basically up and leave Buffalo, New York, to go and really at the time, honestly, Faith, I just was like, yeah, I need something different in my life. Um, I've been living outside of this college town now for a while, and I don't know what in the hell I'm going to do with my degree. So, I really got to get out of here and do something different. And so, I answered and a newspaper ad again that's going to date me to go teach english overseas and at this at this point the post was in in south korea so i spent a year doing this and at that and at that time faith i had never traveled outside of of the us and so here i am i'm 22 i've never been outside of the us i i've taken my first ever flight over you know, any sort of ocean. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yeah. And, you know, of course that flight was, I don't know, 
whatever it was, 15, 16 hours total. And, and, and suddenly I'm, I'm dropped in this place called South Korea. And, and I've never, I've barely lifted a pair of chopsticks, let alone, you know, had (laughs) Korean food at that point. And so it, to say it was a mind blowing experience would be, um, it would be an understatement. Now, the interesting part of that faith is that, you know, there came a point in time, you know, nine months into that year-long contract that I absolutely could not wait to get back home. Hmm. And it wasn't because I didn't like South Korea or like South Korean culture, but it was so vastly different for me. And I think I was an, and I can see now in hindsight, I was in a very, very, I was a different person in many ways. And I was in a different, um, I was in a different space in my life. And so I wanted the comforts of home. I wanted to be around family and friends. And I, you know, like I said, with three months to go, I was, I had a calendar and I was checking the box every single day. Now, Faith, I wouldn't leave the country again. And that was, say, I guess I came back to the U.S. in 96. I wouldn't leave the country on a travel trip of any sorts um, until, until uh, well, until 9-11 happened. And there is a confluence of events there that spurred me into doing this, um, I, my point was, I didn't, I didn't really value tra- traveling. wasn't a thing that I was really into in the states. Of course, I, I traveled, I, I road tripped a lot, and that was a big thing. But, I, but the idea of travel and experiencing other cultures—not that I was necessarily closed off to other cultures—but my heart hadn't really opened up to it. Even having spent that mm. year in South Korea, interesting. It, yeah, it, it wasn't until nine around nine eleven. It was shortly after nine eleven that I really started thinking about ironically travel again and and mm. shortly after 9/11 ticket prices as you know um went way down and i was unemployed happily unemployed at that point um from my <laughs> from my dot com career and uh, uh and oh yeah and and was like you know what I, i'm i need to have it was another point in my life where i needed some kind of a change and I just picked a place in the world, and at that point, of all places, I went to and spent a few weeks in the Czech Republic, and I did that, and that was when I first started to, that was when the idea of immersing oneself in other cultures started to kind of bleed into my life a bit more. That's when my heart started to open up, and it was about mm. two or three years after that that I first took my trip um, to Cambodia, where I was hired to work on a film called Bomb Hunters, and anybody who's listened to the show knows at that point, like the the rest is 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 history, if you will, because that's when that's when my whole world completely opened up, and um, travel is now long since been one of the um, biggest passions in my life. So forgive me for not knowing this uh, hmm. this story. So real quick, for my benefit, did you not do filmmaking before that trip to Cambodia? So. My filmmaking at that point was not in documentary film at all. It was in narrative filmmaking, and I was not working in the industry at all. In fact, at that point, I'd been working in in uh, the hotel industry for a couple of years, and I was doing I was working on a digital feature, um, which I would end up you know I ended up writing and and directing and being in and blah 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 doing that oh, whole thing. Oh wow! So it was like kind of like early on in 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 the, in the digital film world. I had a great, you know, some great experiences doing it, but, but, but it was all really at that time, it was a a passion and a hobby. I wasn't working in the film industry at all at that time. In fact, Uh, I guess you could say my first entrance into the film industry was being hired to go with this other documentary filmmaker to Cambodia that first time out. Ah, and what was your job for that? So I was essentially the sound guy on that. I was the sound engineer, and and it really was a three person crew. It was it was Sky, the gentleman I was with. He was shooting, and then I was responsible for all sound. Um, and then of course we had our fixer translator with us. So it was the three of us rolling around the Cambodian countryside for six months, and um, the experiences that I had there. 
I changed my life. It changed everything in my life. It changed the complete trajectory of my life. And I fell in love with, I fell in love with documentary filmmaking and I fell in love with, with that part of the world, which is, um, since, you know, been a part of my world ever, ever since really. And that's when you came back and started your production company. It isn't actually, that's the thing. Like there was even, there was even a gap there where, you know, I came back Worked over there for six months. I came back, was hired to edit the film. So I spent another, uh, probably another six wait, months. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you yeah. have no experience? And- <laughs> I know. This, this, is the, this is the documentary life. It it's is, like it is. you cobble it together any way you can, you know? <laughs> well, no, and you're absolutely right. Because I, you know, there is a story here and, I, and I, I'm, I, I'm sure I've talked about this in the program where, you know, I'd been working on the film with Sky for about three months, and I had I had um, plenty of plenty of experience with with Final Cut was the software that we were using for editing at that point. Okay, I had plenty of experience sort of with Final Cut in that I'd done it a ton myself on the digital feature, and then a couple of short things that I'd done. Right, so I had I felt comfortable with with Final Cut, and 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 yeah, so I, I, okay, I had that okay. bit of experience, and I made instead of taking a um, Instead of taking a week off, the, the one week that we got for a vacation during Christmas, I decided I took it upon myself. And this is the, do- you're right, this is the documentary life in, in that I decided, you know what, I'm going to show, I'm going to, I'm going to leave, I need to do something that leaves this guy, Sky, with no choice but to hire me on at, as his editor. Nobody's going to be more familiar with the footage than he and I. And at that time, yeah. part of my duties was also, it wasn't just sound, I was also responsible for working with the fixer translator to create this sort of, this translation Bible. And so he's translating and I'm, I'm working with him and, and doing transcripts of the, of all footage, which was over 140 hours of footage. Ugh. And so nobody's more intimate with what's happening yeah. in these interviews and what's happening in the story than I am and Sky is. And so I have that on my side and then I decide, you know what, I'm going to make a preview or a trailer trailer of the film that we have so far. And I did, and you know, I created this four and a half minute piece for the film and Sky was so impressed with it. And then it would actually be used to garner a Sundance grant and the state department grant. And and, and I think, you know, I I, I like to believe that, you know, my hard work and diligence and my passion with it was what uh, would, what Mm -hmm. garner me, the, the editing position after mm. the film was shot. Mm-hmm. And so you had a full-time job somewhere else, non-filmmaking so then, at that moment? Right. So then I came back and, and I swore to myself that, okay, that's it. I, I'm not going to get into the, I won't work in the service industry again. Uh, I have to find my way into film because clearly like that was the most, one of the most meaningful, easily, you know, years of my life by far. And I felt like, well, this is my calling. This is my passion. I have to do everything in my Mm. power to work in this field. Mm. And guess what? Within two, three months of my last day working on Bomb Hunters, the edit, um, I was basically broke and in a position where I had no choice. And of course, I find myself doing whatever I need to do to make money. And, um, and so I ended up taking a, uh, uh, I was driving town car for a couple of months and that oh, was, wow. yeah. So that was like connected with the hotel industry. Right. I, I, I know after bomb hunters, it would be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be until after I came back from, from my second big Southeast Asia excursion that I would finally find my way into the film industry working in, in commercials and some, um, feature films, um, as how so many people work, start off in the industry, which is as, as a PA, as a production assistant. And it wasn't until then that I finally was able to start truly working in the film industry. Okay. Hands up. Who here is living a documentary life? Would you say that you are? What does it mean to live a documentary life anyway? Well, we'll happily give you our definition. 
To us, living your documentary life means that you have crafted your lifestyle in a way such that you are able to make the documentary films you choose to make without it negatively impacting other aspects of your life, be that financial, your immediate relationships, or personal wellness. And furthermore, through the creation of your art, your existence is sustainable, creative, and fulfilling. Would you say this describes you? If not, is this something that you want for yourself? It was what we wanted for ourselves, and it took us quite a while to achieve it. Truthfully, there were many times we didn't think we'd make it at all. We were living in a world that was reactive rather than proactive, and it was costing us greatly. If any of this resonates with you, we'd like to help you find a better way. Because once we were able to honestly say we were living our documentary lives, we could look back and see what had gotten us there, and we knew we had to share it with others. We broke it all down and put it into Living Your Documentary Life, a program that helps you to craft your own lifestyle, relationships, and mindset in ways that empower you to make your best documentary films. You can find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash yourdoclife. Something that's come up on desktop documentaries just in the last few weeks um, is, this, uh, is this question of how do I make a full-time living as a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> Isn't that the question? Yeah, and 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 I don't know if you have figured it out, mm. have you? You know, and if so, what are your secrets, your tips, what, you know, if somebody like yourself who who just falls in love with with the idea of making documentary films, um, how do you how, how do you balance that? How do you yeah. make a living and and do this amazing thing uh, of yeah. making documentaries? Well, um, that in itself, that question, that very question you have asked is in many ways at the heart of what the documentary life is about and is interested in always exploring. I don't know. I truly don't know many people personally who make their entire livings doing nothing but documentary films. Um, I've mentioned even on the show, of course, these are these are huge names, and they could probably make their livings just doing docs, like Michael Moore or um, Errol Morris or Werner Herzog. <laughs> but all of these guys also, a little bit on the side, do do commercial work, um, which in itself should, should, should tell you something. Um, mm. I don't make my my entire living by any means right now doing the documentary work. Um, the majority of my income comes from doing the commercial and corporate video work. And so, mm -hmm. um, but I'm in a sort of a transformation in my life these days. And, and I'm trying to, um, I'm really trying to make a, a focus almost exclusively on the documentary work because I feel like, I'm now at a place in my life, and, and, and both Steph and I, Steph, my wife, are in a place in our life where we're able to do things in our lives that, that are much more focused on the documentary work, because that's just what we, we, we've worked hard to get to. You know, she came from a feature filmmaking world, and I came, whereas I came more from the, the commercial world. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that we'll continue to do some of that work, but even through our own business, Barong Films, we're no longer actively pushing or pursuing that kind of work as much as we're actively pushing and pursuing doing documentary work. Now, that wow. does mean I'm sure I will continue doing the freelance work, um, whether as a, as a camera op or as a director with documentaries being as, as a hired hand. So, so say there's, mm -hmm. say a director from London reaches out to me and says, Hey, you know, I heard good things about you. I need somebody to shoot a couple of weeks on my dock. Then, then that would be example of me being hired as, as a freelance camera op on somebody's mm -hmm. dock. And so, um, but, but that's for me personally. Right. But yeah, but, yeah. but I also realize that the, the majority of us, like I said, we don't make our livings exclusively through documentary films. And so I would like to say that wherever you are, are at in your life when you decide that I want to make a living being a filmmaker, well, you should absolutely begin doing that, but don't necessarily drop whatever it is that you're currently no. doing <laughs> to make money because there's, there's so much value in bringing in income and the discipline that that takes into yeah. bringing an in income in. And there's so much value in almost 
I don't want to say being unhappy during that time, but I know that um, it fueled me and it constantly fuels me to do better and to work harder um, to make my dreams happen. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I really answered your question, but I just, yeah, I do. I guess I do think it's unrealistic to think you're going to be, you're going to make your, your living a hundred percent as a filmmaker um, right out of school or at age 18, or if you make a, a life change at 50 um, and decide tomorrow I'm going to be a filmmaker. Well, there's going to be a process there. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. There is a process there. Be prepared and be ready for it and embrace that process. Hell, document the process, right? Learn from yeah. it, blog about it, um, set cameras upon yourself and, and, and roll film <laughs> on it. And, and, you know, you never know how and when you might be able to share that. And, yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. Well, I think the words you, you, you don't often hear together is filmmaker and entrepreneur. Oh man. And, and, and I think there's, um, I think you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to have that entrepreneur mindset to make it, um, as a filmmaker, if you're not going to work, you know, full-time job, you know, you can work at right. a, you know, a TV station or a PBS station or yep, yep. for a production company, you know, you can be an employee. Um, but if you want to make documentaries and be on your own, I think you, you have to have this gritty, entrepreneurial mindset <laughs> where nobody is telling you how to do it. You have to figure it out and you've got to do what it takes. Look, you I know, mean, to, to make it work, you're nailing it faith. And, and, and I didn't, I, I was remiss to say that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It is, that's the dirty work. And that's the effort that I, that's a huge part of what I'm talking about. And faith, you've done it for years now with desktop documentaries. I've done it for over a year with with the documentary life as the podcast. We know yeah. as sort of, you know, if you want to use the term social entrepreneurs, we know that in order to keep doing our podcast or to keep doing desktop documentaries, we have to constantly be out there and and learning more and more and pushing the envelope and 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 learning and using social media as much as we can and and really um you know selling ourselves and there's you know you don't have to be slimy and greasy about it there's the it, that that shouldn't be a dirty word and i think it was you know i came up to the school when when the school of thinking that you know when i when i when i wanted to really become a filmmaker which i've wanted to really probably since I was about 20 years old. And, mm. and, 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 and I always thought though, but Hey man, you know what? I want to do films, but I'm not going to do Hollywood films because that's not, I don't want to do the Hollywood thing. I don't yeah, want to get yeah. involved in, yeah. in yeah, that yeah. industry. I want to tell there's more stories that need to be told. We don't all look like Brad Pitt or Jennifer Aniston. And, <laughs> and those are the stories that I don't actually particularly want to be a part of, but there was a snobbiness that kind of went along with that, which was, I'm not going to do it the way the man does it. And I'm not yeah, going to do yeah. it the way that corporate America does it. And yeah. and I know where that came from. And I and still embody a lot of that, a lot of that myself. But it hurt me in that I didn't think like I didn't think with a business sense. Yes. And that's and something I've had yeah. to really, really learn. And I can't impress that enough upon upon filmmakers out there and you can speak to this as well and, and please do faith that you have to be able to have some sort of business acumen otherwise you're going to end up um yeah. you know with your your dvd on a bookshelf or your film uh, sitting in a dark corner of a youtube spot yeah. where nobody's able to get to it and nobody knows it exists yeah. so if you yeah. want to be yeah. a filmmaker and you want to or at least if you want to make any sort of money from filmmaking you're going to have to learn how to be an entrepreneur. I know. I'm telling you, when I was doing uh, my documentary, Briars in the Cotton Patch, mm. I needed $50,000 yeah. to to do distribution. Like, I thought I was right. done with the documentary. You know, like, <laughs> when it was, like, done edited, I'm like, phew, my work is done. It's like, oh, crap, there's this thing called distribution. What the hell? Oh, my God. And it's like, I got to raise another $50,000. How am I going to do how am I going to do that? Oh, that exactly, um, exactly. And, and well, I'll tell you, my father, 
well, he's passed away now, but he was he's the founder of Habitat for Humanity International right. and he he raised billions of dollars. I mean, <laughs> he was like a phenomenal fundraiser and what made him so successful is he genuinely in his heart believed that he was doing people a favor by asking them for money because he knows that people can have such joy by by helping somebody else. Like you really feel good about yourself when you know you've made the world a better place. And oh, so man. he felt like he was giving people an opportunity to be blessed by asking them to, to fund this endeavor of helping build this house for a poor family who's suffering. And he knew by, by telling that story, by explaining the need and if he could just convince people to give their money, they would be blessed for it. And so it was a completely wow. different way of looking at fundraising because I think a lot of us filmmakers look at fundraising as like we're begging for money and like, please, you know, like, can you do me this favor? And right. like, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, like, can you give me a dollar? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, the yeah. Whole wrong way of looking at it. Like it's so self-defeating, right? Should, yeah, it's just, and you're not, and, and so you have to look at it as like, people love to be part of a film project. They, they, they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And so um, it's like you're giving people an opportunity, but it's finding, finding people who resonate with what you're doing. And so a big, uh, going back to your question, yeah. uh, which was how did I raise this $50,000? Well, I was just like horrified at the idea of, of asking people for money. And, um, you know, I just I, I sent out a letter, you know, and no money came back. <laughs> you know, I like sent out this right. fundraising letter. And my dad said, Faith, you got to get on the phone. Mm. You make a list of 20 people that you feel would have an interest in this project. You've got to call them and explain to them what's going on and ask them for a donation. Yeah. Um, and you've got to figure out the hard part is figuring out how much to ask for. Um, you know, cause you don't know what people make. Um, and so, but you, you've got to have an idea and you've got to just say, can you donate $500, right. you know, or can you donate a thousand dollars or whatever it is, but you've got to get on the phone with them and they've got to really hear your voice and you've got to make that pitch. And it's so brutally hard. <laughs> I mean, really, really, it's like brutally hard, but you, you have to do it. And I did it, um, and, and raised the money. Um, but I won't pretend it was easy, but you do have to have, you, you have to have this mentality of they're your partner. You're not like, it's not like all on your shoulders. You have to look at them as a partner and treat them as a partner and just say, Hey, I'm putting my life into this. I've put, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours. All I'm asking is just, you know, for you to partner with me and to participate in this, in this wonderful project to, to, to push forward this thing that we both believe in. That's perfect. You, you, you absolutely nailed it, Faith. Thank you so much for, for saying that because you, you know, we had, we had, uh, we've talked about that a little bit on the show. We had a guest, Lydia, uh, filmmaker, Lydia B. Smith. And I, I, I think it was yeah. episode five, four or five or six. And again, listeners can go back into the archive and I encourage them to do that because one of the things that she talks a lot about is this idea of getting right with money. And getting right with your perception of what money is, Absolutely. how it works, and 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 ultimately doing really exactly what you have just said, which is find a way to realize that it's it's okay to ask for money, and more than that, that people will actually want to be approached. The right people will want to part with their money for the right project, exactly. and it's important to 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 realize exactly that. I'm I'm so glad that you said that, and uh, it's a it's a big part of a, of a mentality shift that I know a whole heck of a lot of us need to work on um, and can be better and can be better at. And it's definitely something that that Steph and I have been um, have been working on quite a bit the past couple of years. And uh, it definitely does require a shift, but it really helps. How can we build a country without identity, without memory, without a strong culture? 
Well, let's transition to upcoming projects. And I want to know what are you most excited about right now? There's two things that I'm 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 most excited about. Well, let's say three, and they are Elvis of Cambodia. I'm most excited about that because this is the first time um, since we've this is the first time since we lived in Cambodia for that five month period when we were filming that we've been able to concentrate our efforts um, so fully and so passionately on the film. It brings back to uh, our childhood to the beauty, the values of our life and culture during that time. It's one of those things that over the past three years, it's just, we just haven't been able to get to an awful lot. And, and, it, and, it, and it's such a, it's, it's a heart-wrenching feeling knowing that you have this film project, this passion project that you've already put so much time and energy into and that you love and that you yeah. wish you could work on exclusively yes. and that you just don't ever get moments to, to, concent, to, to put concentrated time upon. So, so that's one of the things that I'm most excited that, that, we're, that we are doing now. Um, so that would be is Elvis that, of Cambodia. Is, let, me, let me interrupt you sure. briefly. Sure, sure. Is that because you've had success with fundraising? You're able to put your focus on on Elvis of Cambodia, right? It's it's in part fundraising, but also it's also in part to um, this mind shift that we're talking about. Because you know, back in in March, back in late March, when when we left the states and relocated to the UK, that was a big um, that was a big thing for us. And and obviously, and and one of the things that we knew that we wanted to do was be able to focus on our on our social entrepreneur endeavors, and as well as Elvis of Cambodia. And so, you know, quite frankly, uh, the selling of the selling of our house allowed us the space to be able to create this massive um, relocation and give us the, afford us the opportunity to take some time to put our efforts and energy into nothing but our social entrepreneurships and and Elvis of Cambodia. And so um, that's, that has, it, it, it has sort of bought us um, some time. Now, of course, gotcha, we're still gotcha. we're still bringing in. You know, we have you know we have other revenue streams that are happening at this time, and 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 that helps afford us that opportunity for sure. But faith, we have put in a ton of time and effort in the few years prior to be able to get to this position to allow us um, mm. to be here and 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 allow us to have these other revenue streams happening. Um, whether it yeah. be through um, you know st- selling of stock footage, whether it be through um, contracting out camera work, whether it be through um, this podcast, you know, it- it's a number of avenues that are allowing us to yeah. be able to focus on on some of these things. Uh, the biggest one, obviously, Elvis of Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, and you nailed it. Uh, you know, just the multiple streams of income. Yeah. You know, you you can't just have one. Well, you can, you know, but um, I think it's that entrepreneurial mindset. Right. If we're not going to work for somebody else, then yeah, yeah. You got to get real, you got to get real creative and real. Yeah. And it is not easy. And it's years, it's years to figure it out. I mean, you know this firsthand. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So back to the things you're most excited Mm. about, you said, Two or three things. Uh, yeah, so your I, first thing is uh, Elvis of Cambodia, right? And and obviously this right here, the podcast, the documentary life. It's it's growing um, now. It's growing exponentially, and I am so excited about what the show, um, what the show. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier. I'm so excited about what the show is offering um, my listeners as well as myself, and I, I just love being able to spend more and more time on the show and to be able to to continue building out this audience and continue building out this network of like-minded individuals. Um, Along with the Documentary Life podcast is is these other things that are now branching off from it. Um, And one of the one of the things in particular is this 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 workshop that I've been putting together. And it's a brainchild that I really had long before the podcast even. Um, is this idea of putting together a workshop, and I'd like to do it 
um, at least once, at least annual, if n- annually, if not biannually, have a workshop, a documentary filmmaking sort of how-to workshop um, in 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 a country of choice. And, and, and this first one will be in Cambodia since we'll be there filming Elvis of Cambodia. And and it basically, basically it's going to be a how-to make documentary films in developing countries is, is basically wow. going to be the main themes that we'll be working with through this workshop. And so the documentary life, the podcast has really enabled me to kind of um, really be putting this workshop together. So I'm going to be excited to be um, announcing, announcing when that happens. So um, wow. it's things like that, that, that the podcast has, has really allowed me um, to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So these are things that I feel like I have a lot of gratitude and I'm and thankful that the podcast has enabled me to, to be able to do. So you can see mm. that I'm very excited. That is one of the things that I'm also most excited about. Very cool. How many people are you seeing for the, the workshop? Well, uh, most likely, and this could change, but most likely I think I'll probably cap the workshop at somewhere between 20 and 30 people. Um, mm. I don't want to make it much bigger than that, at least not the first time out um, yeah. until I have uh, uh, I just want it to be as personal as possible. Um, there yeah. will be other yeah. filmmakers there as, as part of this team. It won't be just myself or just myself and Steph. Um, and so um, and, and those filmmakers will will be announced as we the further along we get in this process. But I, cool. I envision about 20 or 20 to 30 yeah, people yeah. being the max amount of people. Um, doing super it. cool. Yeah. Super cool. It would be super awesome to have you be a part of the workshop, Faith. So <laughs> oh, cool. we should keep talking. <laughs> Let me tell you, Cambodia and Thailand are on my like highest, highest bucket list. Well, there you go. Like, as they should be. Excellent. This could be the opportunity. Ah, oh, man. And when, what, what are the dates? Well, most likely faith, it's going to be around that time. We, we'll probably couple it when we're in, in Cambodia, finishing up Elvis of Cambodia. So, um, which will happen I, uh, January, February, most likely. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep talking because. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, would love to visit that that part of the world. Yeah. I, well, I've been there. I've been to Malaysia, Japan, Philippines. That's right. South Korea. I India, remember you saying that. Oh yeah. Oh. But, uh, well, then you never, know. <laughs> never been to Cambodia or, or Thailand. So. Well, and, 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 and I'm, it's a, what I, for me, um, it's not only a chance to impart sort of the how to, you know, do documentary films in these countries, which include things like, you know, how do you find and work with a fixer translator? What is transportation like? How do you get from point A to B? How do you work in a culture where the language, maybe English, is is very oh little, if at all, spoken? Um, I want yeah. people to know what it's like to work in these countries, in particular, maybe this first one, Cambodia, because it's such it, it was such a entrance point for me and such mm-hmm. a it's such a a game changer I guess in my life it transformed me um my heart opened up to the Cambodian people and it's it's where I fell in love with that part of the world and if I can share that passion with other people um I have to believe that it's going to open hearts in the way it did for me and so other people yeah. are going to be wanting to tell the stories in that part of the world or other developing countries you know we're going to wrap this up and cool. I'm going to ask you right. the question that you ask everyone. What is the what does the oh, documentary man. life mean for you? For me, how I live and lead my documentary life is I try to live it is in a way that whatever it is that allows me to work on my documentary films and whatever it is that allows me to now do the documentary life as a podcast. That's how I live my documentary life and how Steph and I are kind of living those lives. Um, you know, we have, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so that makes things challenging, but, but we kind of embrace it as a family. And so in particular, now Steph and I are creating our lives in a way that allows us to best 
um, embody this idea of a documentary life that 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 we talk about all the time on the show. And in our way, we we are doing it currently, you know, in the UK. But but we could you know very well be doing it for a period of time in Cambodia, or we could certainly be going back to the states and doing it there. I think we're trying to build our lives in a way that. Wherever we live, we would be able to provide for for our family, and and that doesn't just mean financially. It also means provide sort of um, spiritually and artistically. Because if we're not fueling ourselves um, in other ways than, than than financially, if we're not if we're not fueling ourselves artistically and spiritually, then then we're not at all living the lives that we're trying to to and want to live now. Faith, I guess that I would just I would like to finish up by by ex, by saying how much I appreciate um, having people like you, Faith, on the show. Um, having you know all the guests that I've had on the show, and then the listeners that 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 the listeners that I believe are a part of this show as well. I cannot thank all of you enough because I feel like without you guys, I'm not. I'm not building this community that I really want to to be building and 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 or I'm just you know I mentioned earlier the filmmaker having a film in the deep dark corners of YouTube where nobody can get to it this show would be that if not for people listening to it and if not for um, having guests on the show if not having someone like you faith um, being on the show now this is your second time um Without that, the show doesn't exist, and I am so so grateful for it. And um, I guess I just really want to thank people for 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 finding reason to continue to tune into the documentary life, and more than that, engaging with me and engaging with the community in a way that we all continue to share ideas. Because as you know, Faith, we don't want it to be just desktop documentaries and we don't want it to just be the documentary life where we're the only voices. We have to have it that we are trying to build it in a way that we have a lot of voices because so many of us have things to share. It's definitely not just me. And and as we mentioned earlier, I'm learning as much as I'm imparting all the time. It's a give and take for all of us. And for that, I have immense gratitude. Yeah, I mean, Faith, this has been a blast. Uh, it actually exceeded all expectations that I had with it. This was really cool. <laughs> Very cool. I think there was some excellent, excellent content that came out of this. So. Yeah, this was really fun. I, I, this was. I, I, I want to, you know, do it again at some point in the year. You know, I, I think it'd be <laughs> cool. Like, if we all have right. you on once or twice a year, it would just be. I think it would be really great because I love. I love having that shared conversation with with somebody like yourself, Faith, because I feel like we there's a lot of we have a lot of shared sort of I don't want to say ideology, but you know, you and I are doing some certainly doing similar things on an entrepreneurship level. And I feel like yeah. you and I can share a lot there, but also just I think you and I have a passion have passions for what we're doing and it's always great to I guess be around that energy and I and I, I for one really really appreciate it you know well thank you so much for having me on the show and it was an absolute blast to interview you 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 did great and uh really it was fun to do thank you again faith i'm really excited for this Don't forget, if you're looking to live and lead a documentary life, you need to head over to thedocumentarylife.com slash yourdoclife and take a look at our Living Your Documentary Life program. We'll help you craft your lifestyle so that you are able to make the documentary films that you want to make and live the doc life you want to live.